Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, the rain has finally stopped in Florida. Uh, Noah has left the building along with the ark. The animals are not lining up two by two anymore, which is a good sign. But I do have a loaded show for you today. The tech tyranny continues. Ladies and gentlemen, we're in a war right now. A legitimate social media free speech war right now. A battle going back and forth. And the tech tyrants are on the other side of this. They opened up a new front yesterday, which is going to cook your temperature. You are going to be up 20, 30 degrees by the time the show's over. I got that. More on that infamous Russia hack. And Rick Grinnell, the outgoing, who is the acting DNI, Director of National Intelligence, with just a gut shot to the Democrat spygate colluders. Uh, that and a whole lot more. Loaded show today. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Fine, sir. No, I'm doing pretty good, man. There's so much going on, though. I mean, I, I can't I know. keep up I with know. it. It's hard to keep track of. Even I start doing the show, yeah. right, tomorrow's show, uh-huh. right after we're done with this one. Yes. That's how loaded the show is. All right, let's get right to it. I always appreciate your patience <laughs> yeah. with our sponsors. They love to there talk you to you. They uh-huh. pay for the show and keep it free. So thanks for your time and attention. Always appreciate it. If you've been listening to my show for a while, you've heard me talk about Helix mattresses. They're the best. I have two of them, love them, sleep like a like you're on a cloud. I have exciting news for you. Helix has gone beyond the bedroom and started making sofas. They just launched a new company called All Form, and they're making premium, customizable sofas and chairs ship right to your door. All Form is the easiest way you can customize a sofa using premium materials at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. You can pick your fabric. Look, that's ours. We just got it's my lovely daughter, Isabel. We put it together in her room, 15 minutes. Not kidding. And I sometimes I'm not that handy. These are all show muscles. Don't think they actually do anything. They are totally non-functional. Pick your fabric and it's spill stain and scratch resistance. Pick the sofa color. Color the legs, sofa size, and shape to make sure it's perfect for you and your home. Unbelievably comfortable. They got armchairs, love seats, all the way up to an eight-seat sectional. So there's something for everyone. You can always start small and buy more seats later if you want your all-form sofa to grow and change with you when you move. We were just bringing it up this morning with regards to my daughter uh, going to college in the next couple of years. All-form sofas are delivered directly to your home with fast, free shipping. Ours was here in two days. In the past, if you wanted to order a sofa, it could take weeks or months to arrive, and you need someone to come and assemble it. All-form takes just three to seven days to arrive in the mail, and you can assemble it yourself in a few minutes. We did it. No tools needed. Not kidding. That simple. If you're getting a sofa without <laughs> Paula wants, she wants to know she did it. She did. She gets credit. If you're getting a sofa without trying it at the store and it sounds a little risky, you don't need to worry. You get 100 days to try it out. Uh, that's more than three months. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up for free, give you a full refund, no problem. They also have a forever warranty, literally forever. To find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash Dan. Go today. Allform is offering 20% off all orders for our listeners at allform, A-L-L-F-O-R-M, allform.com slash Dan. Go today. Sofas are great. Super comfortable. All right, Joe, let's go. So Twitter, Twitter. Uh, who uh, banned us from running ads about, I don't know, three, four years ago, three years ago, I guess, never gave us a reason why, because it's run by primarily liberal hacks who can't stand you. Um, Twitter, they're going to feel the pain and the wrath of the free market soon, I assure you. This can't go on forever. The mainstream media tried this for years. And then we had Fox News come along. And I will never, ever forget being an instructor at the Secret Service Academy and the late Roger Ailes, who used to run Fox News, came and gave a speech at the Secret Service Academy. One of the uh, agents' families knew him. This is in the early days of Fox. And he said something I'll never forget. Uh, someone in the audience or someone asked him about you know, Fox News and how he thought of this idea of doing a news station that actually did, Joe, get ready, news and not like liberal nonsense. And he said, yeah, I just figured there was this untapped market in America called 51% of the population. <laughs> I thought, it's the greatest line ever. So true. That untapped market is there right now. I'm telling you about probably 30, 40, maybe upwards of 50% of the users of these platforms are probably people to the right of the political spectrum who are tired of your nonsense, Twitter. Twitter opened up a new front yesterday. They are now, Joe, they're in the fact-checking business. Fact-checking, air quotes, business now. Yeah, 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 they're fact-checkers now. Uh I thought they were a platform, not a publisher. What happened? Wall Street Journal article... Twitter adds a fact check notice to Trump tweets on mail-in ballots. Move follows an earlier appeal by the widower that president's false tweets about the death of his wife be pulled down. Wait, what, wait, what? Twitter is now in the fact checking business? I thought, call me crazy, but I thought 
Twitter was an unbiased platform. You know, the Communications Decency Act and all that stuff where you can't sue Twitter for the content on there? Yeah. Why? Because Twitter's claiming, follow me, this is not an insignificant point. Twitter's claiming, along with Facebook and these other uh, platforms with air quotes, we're not like a newspaper, man. We don't make editorial decisions. So if something's put on Twitter in the form of a tweet that's defamatory, you can't sue us because we're a platform. I don't get it. Well, you can sue a newspaper because they're not a platform. They're a publisher that makes editorial decisions. Right. So if a newspaper writes a story that Joe Armacost is from Mars and has Martian DNA, yeah. be careful. He could contaminate everyone with this Martian DNA. Obviously, knowing it's false, and Joe being a public figure, still, and they know it's false, Joe can sue. And Joe will probably win that case because Joe oh, is yeah. not, in fact, from Mars. Yeah. Just putting that out there in case some of the liberals with thick skulls actually believed it. <laughs> but if someone writes that on Twitter, Joe may be able to go after the person who wrote it, but they're not able to go. Joe's not able to go after Twitter because Twitter claims, hey, we're just an unbiased platform. We're not a publisher. We're not making editorial decisions. No, no. The verdict is in. That's BS. Now we know that to be false because Twitter has decided to editorialize and add commentary to tweets and do so-called fact checking. It's over now. It's over. It's over. For Twitter has, I tweeted this out last night. I got 35,000 retweets. Twitter has no idea the Pandora's box they opened. None. I don't know if they're too stupid to figure it out, but you cannot claim to be a platform. You can't sue us. We need to be protected. We don't make editorial decisions and then make an editorial decision to fact check a politician, but only one politician, Donald J. Trump. Now, now that I've set that up for you, by the way, please go to Parler. They're a sponsor of my show, P-A-R-L-E-R. I'm begging you, Parler, Parler. Parlor, go there today. You know, it's everything Twitter and Facebook aren't. It's a social media platform that will not target you. They are a sponsor of the show, but I was a member before. Just go there and set up an account today. Today, go do it. Parlor. You don't have to deal with any of this Twitter garbage anymore. We have to do something. The do matters. Action matters. Talk is cheap. We have to do something. Parlor, please go today. Go to the app store and download it. So here's what happened. Here's the actual Trump tweet that Twitter decided they were going to fact check. He starts talking about mail-in ballots in his tweet. Trump says there's no way, zero, that mail-in ballots will be anything less than substantially fraudulent. Mailboxes will be robbed, ballots will be forged, and even illegally printed out and fraudulently signed. The governor of California is sending ballots to millions of people. Uh, and he goes on. Look, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see it. At the bottom, they have this little line. They've added, get the facts about mail-in ballots. Here we go. Twitter, open it. Pandora, box, open. Mm -hmm. You're not a platform anymore. Now you're in the business of fact-checking politicians, but only the president of the United States. You made an editorial publishing decision to, not, to literally not serve as a... Donald Trump is a platform on Twitter. Again, you can sue Trump. You just can't sue Twitter. Twitter decided to add its own content, its own publishing decision right there to add content that wasn't there, Joe. Trump did not add that fact check. Twitter did. Mm -hmm. Now, Twitter, here we go. Sorry, good thing. Paul up with a big uh, hat tip there. Rescue me. I didn't even put up with the fact. Here's if you click on the fact check, here's what you see. Trump makes unsubstantiated claim that mail-in ballots will lead to voter fraud. And it goes into articles by, <laughs> wait for it, wait for it. It goes into articles by CNN Politics and NBC News. Oh, total arbiters of truth, Joe. Come on, <laughs> CNN and NBC. You mean the same two outlets? that now, And in the fact check, they claim that these claims are false. There's no mail-in ballot fraud. Oh, That's no. not happening on a mass scale. There's nothing to worry about with mail-in ballots. So CNN and NBC, just to be clear, the two tip-of-the-spear loser networks who for three years told us the collusion hoax was real and the Spygate scandal was fake. The, yeah, they got the story backwards. 
Are there going to be retroactive fact checks? Is it going to be like back to the future? Retroactive fact checks on all of those tweets pumping the collusion hoax? I'm assuming you're going to fact check Moscow Maddow. I'm assuming you're going to fact check sleazeball Adam Schiff. All those tweets about we have evidence of collusion. Obviously lies. No evidence has ever surfaced. Obviously false. Are there going to be fact checks on there? What about deranged Chuck Todd from NBC? What about George Costanza, Brian Stelter over at CNN and his lunatic buddy, Oliver uh, Darcy, two nutty fringe conspiracy theorists? Are their Twitter uh, uh, tweets going to be fact-checked? Of course not. Because Twitter is not a platform and they're certainly not unbiased. Twitter is in an all-out assault, all-out assault on a social media open platform. Now, I'm not going to fall into this trap. They are not. It's not an all-out assault on free speech. I, don't fall into that trap. You may say, Dan, what do you mean? You no, no, no. Don't. That's not what this is about. Twitter is a private company. The fact that it's uh, the Twitter uh, Twitter is public in the stock market does not mean it's not a private company. In this, we're talking about private versus government owned, not private versus public in the sense of stock ownership. It's not a free speech issue. That would be like saying my website, Bongino.com or Bongino Report, uh, you know, you have to put up whatever lefty said. I don't. It's my site. I put up on Bongino Report. That's our alternative to the liberal drudge report. We put up what we want. That's not what this is about. Twitter is claiming. Now, unlike we claim at, say, Bongino.com, if we write an article at Bongino.com, we know to be false and we put it up anyway. We can be sued because we're not claiming to be a platform. Twitter, we're a publisher. Twitter's claiming to be a platform and clearly, clearly is not. So with regards to their claim, and by the way, can you imagine if they would have fact-checked the collusion hoax things three years ago, they could have saved the nation. Can you imagine the drama they would have saved us if they would have cut this ridiculous collusion hoax and admitted they spied on Trump early on? We would not have to have gone through this for three years. But where was Twitter? In the wind, man. Now they appear. But showing you how ridiculous and how stupid this move by Twitter was. I'm telling you, they have no idea the Pandora's box they opened. Because I'm going to suggest, now you may say, well, Dan, if it's not really a free speech issue, it's a platform issue, which it is. It's not free speech. This is not, Twitter is not the government. Is a, they can write what they want. They can dismiss who they want. That's why we have parliament. Then what is it? Well, there are two issues. I just addressed the platform versus publisher. They're clearly a publisher now and deserve no platform protections. None. That's, that's clear. And Facebook should be next. But secondly, where's the FEC on this? The Federal Election Commission. No, no, I'm dead serious. I've run for office before and the rules about what they call in-kind donations are very strict. What, ironically, when I met Joe... Yeah, Joe was a, a produced the morning show, very popular morning show in both. I met Joe years ago, ten years ago, mm -hmm. and Joe came out and said, "Hey, man, I love the first time I'm meeting him. I had heard him on the air. He used to do characters, but I'd never met him in person. So I come in, true story. I, I do this in station hit. Joe comes out and says, "Hey, man, love your style. I'd like to take some. Joe takes pictures too. He's a very talented guy, very artisty, you know. Yeah, artistic, I should say. Yeah, thank you." Matters. And um, I said, hey, thanks, man. I mean, we never connected on that front because I had a photographer at the time. But if Joe were to do that and take pictures for my campaign, I have to declare that as what they call an in-kind donation. In other words, Joe gave me a cash value service that he used to get paid for, photography. He can't just give it to me for free. I have to declare it as an in-kind donation. It's to prevent politicians and other people from rigging campaigns by, say, giving them free office space and hundreds of thousands of dollars of free stuff and not having to declare it. Right. You have to declare it as not a cash, but an in-kind donation. Where's the FEC on this? Please tell me with a straight face how this is not an in-kind donation to the Joe Biden campaign. A uniparty fact check on one party only so far. It's all we've seen. On a presidential candidate, he's still a candidate, Donald Trump, even though he's the president of the United States. On one candidate, a fact check designed to hit him 
and designed to hit him using biased outlets like CNN and NBC. And their premise isn't even true that mail-in fraud is basically non-existent. Please tell me again how that's not an in-kind campaign donation to the Joe Biden campaign. I'd love to hear it. Where is the FEC on this? Pull their platform protections immediately. Immediately. And secondly, an FEC investigation should be opened up immediately as to who in the company decided to make an in-kind donation to another politician, Joe Biden, by fact-checking his opponent on baseless nonsense. We have to prevent lies from our... Ladies and gentlemen, I got bad news for you. Politicians don't tell the truth all the time. Republicans and Democrats. I'm really sorry to inform you. That is like, hello, Captain Obvious. <laughs> yeah. You, I mean, you're laughing because it's so <laughs> dumb though I have to say it. So just to be clear, every time a politician lies now, Twitter, if you're going to show you're unbiased and you're not making in-kind donations to just the Democrats, you're going to fact check now every lie on Twitter? Holy Moses, Nancy Pelosi's account should light up tomorrow. But of course, you won't see any of that. FEC investigation stat immediately. Platform protections should be gone tomorrow. Whatever you can do. It's not a free speech issue. We're not shutting them down. You can't shut them down. But if they're going to operate in the free market, according to free market principles, which they're free to do, but they're going to act like a, uh, a publisher rather than a platform, then they have to operate in the free market like we all do. I can't print false stuff on Bongino.com. And Twitter can't either. Now, I didn't even get to the substance of this nonsense. So you say this mail fraud stuff, they're checking Donald, Donald Trump, fact-checking him, saying mail fraud in voting. That's not a big deal, really? But, 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 but we have this DOJ thing we just saw. The Department of Justice, Northern District of West Virginia, Pendleton County mail carrier charged with attempted election fraud <laughs> with absentee Mail ballots. Uh, come on. I mean, Dan, you're just pulling at strings here. Just one case in West Virginia. Mail fraud with absentee ballots. Trump was still lying. It's only West Virginia. Is it? Let's try another one. Let's go to the New York Times. Yes, the New York Times. Back in 2012, that did a little expose on mail-in ballot fraud. Wait, with the New York Times there? Uh, Adam Liptak, October 6, 2012. Error and fraud at issue as absentee voting rises. Wait, wait. I, I, I thought Twitter just fact-checked Trump and said there's no such thing as mail-in fraud. Outside of West Virginia Twitter, of course. Look at this snippet from the New York Times piece. This is crazy. New York, New York Times. I mean, I, clearly I'm reading this wrong. Quote, New York Slimes. Yet, votes cast by mail are less likely to be counted, more likely to be compromised, and more likely to be contested than those cast in a voting booth, statistics show. Election officials reject almost 2% of ballots cast by mail, double the rate for in-person voting. Quote, the more people you force to vote by mail, Mr. Sancho said, the more invalid ballots you will generate. <laughs> Joe, I, I missed that article in the fact check. Yeah. I missed that. I, I meant so I mean, just to be clear, Donald Trump is highlighting concerns. The New York Times highlighted eight years ago yeah. in an exhaustive piece on mail in ballot fraud. Mm -hmm. He's highlighting some of those concerns. And yet that New York Times piece pointing out how mail in ballots, the fraud is double. Double the level that you get in in-person voting that somehow missed the Twitter faction. Oh, Twitter, did you screw this one up? Oh, yeah. Royally. So, all right, come on, Dan. So, you know, the, the uh, rejection rate is double that of in-person voting. We've obviously seen a case just recently in West Virginia. Clearly, that's it. Clearly. It's, I mean, tw Twitter just missed it, Joe. They missed it. They just missed that stuff. West Virginia, the New York Times, they just missed that. They must have missed this video again we played yesterday of Jerry Nadler, hacked Democrat politician, talking about the problem with paper-only ballots. Paper, you know, the kind they mail to you again, as I said yesterday. I'm going to play this video again today. You know, they don't mail you a laptop. They mail you paper. Here's Democrat hack politician Jerry Nadler talking about his experience in New York and how paper-only ballots are a whole lot of trouble. Check this one out. 
It's a very tempting point. I just, as a very experienced, practical politician from New York, I feel constrained to observe that in my experience in New York, uh, paper ballots are extremely susceptible to fraud. And at least with the old clunky voting machines that we have in New York, um, the, the, the deliberate fraud is way down uh, compared to paper. When, they, when the machines break down and they vote on paper, we've had real problems. So that's a, that is, there's got to be a way, there's got to be a way, I'm simply observing that as a problem, there's got to be a way of getting the best of our methodologies. But in fact, uh, to, to, the MIT studies have shown that hand-counted paper ballots are among the most reliable. And at least reliable, if, it, if there's a miscount, you can discover it. You can't discover miscounts with these well, uh, machines. Well, maybe optical scan with paper. I, I want a paper trail. I want paper somewhere. But pure paper with no machines... Uh, I can show you. Pre I can show you experience, which uh, would make your head spin. He can show you experience. Pure paper, you know, paper mail. Again, a laptop doesn't. They don't jam a laptop in your mailbox. Jerry, Jerry, now, but that Twitter that missed the fact check. Fact check on Twitter missed. Missed fact check check fact check missed. Somehow escaped Twitter scrutiny. Of course, it didn't escape anything. Twitter's lying to you because they're a bunch of fraud, phony fakes. By the way, Twitter, I don't care what you do to me on your platform, not one bit. Believe me, I've got bigger plans for you. I don't care one bit. They've already done everything they can. I use your platform at this point only because I know the liberals on there are seeing the truth for the first time. That's it. I'm putting out my real stuff over on Parler. That's where the action's at. Now, you may say, well, what would motivate Twitter? in spite of mounds of evidence that mail-in voting is rife with fraud from the New York Times, a recent arrest we just saw in West Virginia, they missed that, and Jerry Nadler himself claiming paper-only ballots. I have evidence this is a really bad idea. I mean, the cases go on and on and on. Why would Twitter miss all of that in a fact check? Well, look at this. Here's the director of site integrity. Site at Twitter. Yes, this is him. Yoel Roth. At yo yo l, yo 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 l, yo yo l. Oh yo yo l, that's his handle. Yo, I, I don't yo yo l, and I'm not yo 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 l. Okay, yo l Roth, director of site integrity at Twitter. This is the guy making some of these decisions, folks, or involved in them. He tweets <laughs> to fact checking the president. This is one of the guys. This is one of his tweets. Hey, I'm just saying, we fly over those states that voted for a racist tangerine for a reason. Jeez. Here's tweet number. <laughs> Here's tweet number two. This is yes, that person in the pink hat is clearly a bigger threat to your brand of feminism than actual Nazis in the White House. I'm sure yo yo Yoel yo Yoel yo. I'm sure Yoel is a totally unbiased arbiter of the fact checking truth. He's the director of site integrity. Hilariously, the Washington Post people are, this is great. John Levine, big hat tip at the New York Post, an actual reporter, found these. It was mentioned by Kellyanne Conway this morning how yo, 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 well, is obviously supremely biased against the president and is probably in on a lot of these decisions at Twitter over editorial. He is the director of site integrity. How could he not be? And the Washington Post is melting down. I can't believe it. New York Post reporters attacking a, a Washington uh, a, a Twitter executive, attacking the guy called us Nazis, called the president a tangerine. We're the ones doing the attack. This is how crazy the Washington Post is, folks. I'm going to get to one final article at the New York Post in this story. So let's take into this segment, but this is important, ladies and gentlemen. This is the this is the this is unquestionably the fight of our time. It's not the free speech fight. I want to be clear on that. We have free speech. Again, over on other platforms, like the one I mentioned before, Parler. We have free speech. It's not what it's about. This is about the free market. And if the free market is going to operate according to a set of coherent principles, platforms can do this and publishers can do that, and yet conservatives are held to a different set of principles, then there are no principles at all. All right, let me get to my second sponsor before I wrap this up with the New York Post article. Legacy Box, ladies and gentlemen, don't get rid of your memories. We've all done this. You've probably taken thousands, if not tens of thousands of photos on your iPhone, your Android device, whatever it may be, right? Or 
You probably have even old Polaroids, some of you. I know, Joe, remember Polaroids? I oh, even yeah. have some of those. Huh? When I used to be a police officer, we'd take Polaroids once in a while. Don't get rid of them. Go with Legacy Box. Legacy Box is a super simple mail-in service to have all your home movies and pictures digitally preserved on a thumb drive. Don't miss the opportunity to save your memories. You can put it on a DVD or the cloud too. Wouldn't it be fun to go through that dusty box of recorded moments as a family? Pack them up together and send to Legacy Box so they can be digitally preserved. Our experience with Legacy Box has been incredible so far. We've actually had a lot of fun deciding what goes in the box and what doesn't. You just mail it right in. It's super simple. We sent in, we had uh, some CDs, some old DVD ROMs of videos, wedding pictures that were hard copies. That's a long story. I'll tell you sometime why we have hard copies, the photographer. But that's another, but all in the box. Legacy Box is an easy way an affordable way to digitally preserve your wonderful memories and your family's past. The process from start to finish can't get any easier. You just pack the stuff and send it. Their team digitizes everything by hand and you enjoy it. Get back perfectly preserved digital copies on a thumb drive, DVD, or the cloud, ready to watch, share, and enjoy. Your family will love it. Plus, they keep you up to date with regular email updates throughout the digitizing process. Legacy Box is the world's largest digitizer of home movies and photos and has helped over 750,000 families digitally preserve their past. Don't let it go. To brighten your day, Legacy Box is currently offering an incredible 40%, not four, 40, 40% off. That's a big savings. Buy today to take advantage of this exclusive offer. Send in when you're ready. Go to LegacyBox.com slash Bongino and save 40% while supplies last. LegacyBox.com slash Bongino. LegacyBox.com slash Bongino. Go today. Don't get rid of those memories. Okay. So obviously now we know that Twitter should be treated as a publisher, not a platform. It should be open to lawsuits like everyone else. We know there should be some form of an FEC violation here for in-kind donations to Democrats. We know Twitter has zero evidence that mail-in voting is actually not a problem because the evidence is everywhere, including the New York Times themselves. We know Democrats have warned about mail-in fraud. We know Twitter's grossly biased. Their head of site integrity called the president a tangerine and thinks there are a bunch of Nazis in the White House. But here's an older piece I dredged up by the great Paul Sperry. I have in my um, show notes today as well. Bongino.com slash newsletter. Check out the show notes every day. Read this piece. Keep it up on your uh, platform. Uh, <laughs> Keep it up on your platform to show your liberal friends. Twitter is run by Democratic donors and activists, August 4th of 2018. From the piece, in case you're under the illusion, again, that Twitter isn't targeting you, and trying to suppress your ideas on their supposed platform. Really a publication. Federal records reveal 80% of Twitter's corporate PAC contributions in the 2018 election cycle have gone to Democrat candidates. By the way, none of whom are moderates. Liberal Democrats also got top dollars in the 2016 race. The lobbying records Sperry reviewed, moreover, show Twitter has sought to influence Congress and federal agencies on behalf of Democratic causes and against President Trump's policies. Ladies and gentlemen, Twitter is nothing more than a left-wing propaganda machine. That's it. That's all it is. And they made a huge mistake. Huge mistake. This is the free market issue right now of our time, not the free speech issue. Don't confuse the two. Liberals love to jump on any single misstep. And if you put up a free speech issue, they're only going to respond and ignore you and say, the Constitution does not, that does not protect them. This is nothing, this is not a government entity. And they're correct. Don't fall into that trap. This is a free market issue. Twitter, if, if Twitter wants to play and be a publisher, then they should be treated as such. And if you're defamed on Twitter, you should then be able to sue Twitter too. You watch how quickly they change course. Watch how quickly their shareholders start to say, ah, the value of Twitter just got cut in half. You lost me a whole lot of money. Not so sure that the uh, fact-checking thing was a good idea. All right, moving on. About that Russia hack we talked about yesterday. You know, the Russia hack, which Twitter must have fact-checked, right? The Russians hacked the DNC. That's canon. That's an axiomatic truth, Joe, didn't you know? You're not even allowed to question it. You know how the media works. Oh, yeah. The Overton window of acceptable conversation. The media, the left-wing hack media, including Twitter, because they're now a, a, a publisher, a media platform. Twitter's determined it's a conspiracy theory to even suggest that the Russians may not have hacked the DNC. 
You're not even allowed to talk about it. Well, you know, on this show, we give the double-barreled middle finger to anybody who tells us not to talk about anything, and we talk about whatever we want because it's my show. And there's nothing liberals can do to me ever. We've made all the money we need. We're good. I don't care one bit about what they say. We're going to ask questions here, but we're going to do it based on evidence, something investigative journalists used to do a long time ago. So yesterday I was just asking simple questions and I had tipped Stephen McIntyre at Climate Audit on Twitter, who was asking some more questions saying, hey, if this hack happened, I mean, where's the evidence? You computer experts out there know that there's obviously a digital footprint. If the Russians hacked the Democratic National Committee, stole their emails, and then released them through WikiLeaks, then why is WikiLeaks saying we didn't get it from the Russians? And why can't anyone produce an actual digital evidence trail showing the Russians hacked the DNC? I mean, I'm not kidding. I know I can be sarcastic, but are these not reasonable questions? I mean, I was a federal investigator. Joe wasn't, but Joe's Mm -hmm. a really smart guy. And I pretty much guarantee you, Joe's nodding his head in approval right now. Sounds reasonable to me. Yeah. I mean, if someone hacks Joe's computer and wipes out our archive of Bongino show material and you get someone to come in and look at it, you would think that that someone would say, hey, we have evidence, you know, whatever, Joey Bag of Donuts did it. Here's how we know. If they come to you and say, yeah, we think Joey Bag of Donuts did it. How do you know? Nah, we're just guessing. You're probably going to be like, I want my money back. (laughs) Just saying. Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, that's really what we have with the Russia hack. So yesterday we went into a don't miss yesterday's show. I'm pretty sure YouTube, Dave demonetized us yesterday and was crushing that show because we were down like 10, 20%. I'm sure they'll demonetize us today again because we're talking about tech tyrants. We got another plan there too, don't you worry. But that's fine because we're going to say again what we want. Yesterday we discussed some technical information showing that this Russia hack may not have happened like they said it did. But today, here's some even more stuff, some some more stuff, which we'll put up at Bongino.com. Hat tip uh, Mitchell Nemeth, who wrote an article for us today. Remember CrowdStrike, the company that went and looked at the hack of the DNC? You remember them, right? CrowdStrike. You said, wait, wait, the FBI never analyzed the DNC computers? No, 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 they didn't. Even though Jim Comey said that was the best practice, they didn't do it. They relied on a private company called CrowdStrike to do it. So here's, this is from uh, Mitch's P, which will be up at Bongino.com later. Forgive me for the, we didn't, uh, I didn't have it in time, so I just used this raw text. On December 5th, the House House, uh, Select Committee on Intelligence interviewed Sean Henry. Sean Henry is the president of CrowdStrike. CrowdStrike utilizes cybersecurity professionals to conduct incident response operations. This is interesting, folks. According to Henry's testimony, on April 30th, 2016, Michael Sussman of Perkins Coie reached out to request the services of Henry and CrowdStrike. Within days, the two came to an agreement for CrowdStrike to provide services to Sussman's client, who is believed to be the DNC. Um, I'm just, so Perkins, it's all confusing. So Sean Henry, I'll get to him next, who's running this company called CrowdStrike. The DNC says they were hacked by the Russians, but doesn't reach out to the FBI. They reach out to this guy, Sean Henry, and they reach out to Perkins Coie. Crazy. That's the same law firm that hired Christopher Steele through Fusion GPS to create the fake dossier, the same law firm. You know, the dossier they claimed Trump was in on this whole thing, colluding with the Russians, with the hack and all that, you know, that can't be, Dan. Why isn't the media telling us any of this? Gee, I don't know. So a law firm working for the DNC, Perkins Coie, hires a guy to make up a fable about Trump colluding with the Russians. And then when they tell us that the Russians then hacked the DNC, instead of going to the FBI, they go to the same law firm who then hires this guy, a CrowdStrike, Sean Henry. Who's Sean Henry? Well, let's just go to the FBI's own archive here. Oh, Sean Henry, who was named, named what? Executive Assistant Director of the Criminal Cyber Response and Security Services Branch of the FBI by Bob Mueller? No way. No, no way. No. No Shocker. Crazy time. That's the FBI's own website, by the way. FBI.gov, that kind of thing. You know, the government website, you know, .gov, like Hillary Clinton never had. She had like .clinton, whatever. You know, that, 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 that thing. So weird how the law firm responsible for paying for the fake dossier about Trump colluding with the Russians 
is also involved in this infamous Russian hack of the DNC. And this law firm doesn't call the FBI. They call a guy who was Bob Mueller's lieutenant in the cyber war when he was with the FBI. You know, the same Mueller who investigated the collusion hoax started by Perkins Cooey's, the law firm, Perkins Cooey's people, Fusion GPA. Yeah, the, 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 the. Now, you may say, well, Dan, because they were a private company, CrowdStrike, doesn't mean there isn't evidence of the Russian hack of the DNC. Um, uh, no, it, 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 it does. But don't, don't take my word for it. Don't take my word for it. Let's go to Sean Henry himself in sworn testimony up on the Hill. This is amazing. So here are some of the transcripts of Sean Henry from CrowdStrike, who, again, we've been told it's unacceptable to say the, the Russians really hacked the DNC. Where's the evidence? It's unacceptable to ask that question. But he was asked that question by, ironically, Adam Schiff, of all people. Schiff says, do you know the date in with the, which the Russians exfiltrated the data from the DNC? Interestingly enough, upon Henry's quick response, his counsel intervenes. That's his lawyer for the liberals watching. Henry then states, counsel just reminded me that as it relates to the DNC, we have indicators that the data was exfiltrated. We did not have concrete evidence that data was exfiltrated from the DNC. But we have indicators that it was exfiltrated. Wait, wait, wait. Time out here. He continues. There are times we can see data exfiltrated and we can say conclusively. But in this case, it appears it was set up to be exfiltrated, but we just don't have the evidence to say it actually left. That can't be. The media has told us the Russians took the data. It was exfiltrated to the Russians. They've told us this guy, Sean Henry, Bob Mueller's guy, hired by the law firm responsible for the dossier, saying Trump colluded with the Russians. Yeah, all those guys. Remember, oh, my next book is going to be a doozy. We're now done. Follow the money. It's going to be available for pre-sale. So, hey, wait, wait. When I tie all these people together, it's so beautiful. It's gorgeous to look at. These people all know each other. All the people who hate Trump all know each other. And it seems like they're all covering up one big, simple, glaring Pandora's box fact. Nobody has evidence that the Russians took the data from the DNC or hacked it. There he is under oath. I swear to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Do you have evidence? We don't have any concrete evidence. I'm not, listen to me, to be crystal clear. I am not saying the Russians did not hack the DNC. What do you mean, Dan? I'm not, I don't know that. I'm simply suggesting to you that you saying the Russians hacked the DNC conclusively, you are lying. Because you don't know that. And either does the guy who actually did the forensic analysis. Those are his words, amigo. Those are his words. Just look. Glasses. Read the, put the glasses on. You may say, come on, it can't possibly get any worse. The guy who analyzed the computers about the Russia hack, I'm going to, I'm telling you, I'm get get ready, folks. The Russian hack of the DNC is the new dossier. Another fabric, I believe it may be a totally fabricated fairy tale. We know the dossier's fake. Get ready. We can't say for sure yet. It may turn up that they did hack the DNC and I'm open to any evidence. Where is it though? The guy who analyzed it says he doesn't have any concrete evidence of that. Believe it or not, it, it gets worse. <laughs> it always gets worse, doesn't it? From his testimony, from the piece up at Bongino.com, I'll tweet it out later. On page 75 of the interview transcript, Representative Stewart asks of the leaked DNC emails, well, what about the uh, emails that everyone is so, you know, knowledgeable of? Were there also indicators that they were prepared, but not evidence that they were actually exfiltrated? In other words, taken by the Russians? To which Sean Henry, you know, Bob Mueller's guy, CrowdStrike guy, replies, there's not evidence they were actually exfiltrated. There's circumstantial evidence. <laughs> you know, ladies and gentlemen, there's circumstantial evidence as well um, that I am the greatest dresser 
in the history of humankind. And that is absolutely false because that's not true, but it's circumstantial. Someone may have written it on Twitter once. You may have seen me out in a fancy suit. Like, Gosh, that guy's a snazzy dresser. That would be false. I wear basically the same thing every day, a t-shirt and some jeans or some shorts. That's it. There's no evidence the Russians actually took the emails. I, 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 that, what, that, that can't possibly be true. The media has told us that's a conspiracy theory to even suggest it. Why am I bringing this up now? Folks, this is going to be dossier number two. Not only was the, were the allegations in the dossier that Trump was working with the Russians to get these emails and to make Hillary look bad, totally, completely made up. I'm starting to believe the allegations that the Russians took the emails in the first place was made up too. Isn't that going to be a doozy? All right. A lot more, lot more loaded show ahead. Don't go anyway, including coming up next. Stunning, stunning, stunningly stupid video clip by MSNBC who gets R-E-K-T wrecked in the middle of a hit by sane Americans. And I love that everybody's doing this. It's great. Again, I always appreciate your patience. We have great sponsors. Uh, Today's show also brought to my friends at LifeLock. As if parents don't have enough to worry about, there's more evidence of children becoming victims of identity theft. Not kidding. Go to the Wall Street Journal today. Huge article about credit credit card fraud exploding. People stealing identities. Right there in the Wall Street Journal today. Check it out. In 2017 alone, over a million children were affected by identity theft. I have protection on my kids from LifeLock costing parents over $540 million. You don't want your kid's credit to be ruined before they're even 18 years old. There are steps you can take to help protect your children, like freezing their credit, checking social media privacy settings, and watching for unexpected mail in your child's name. But it's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives. Every day we put information at risk on the internet. Cybercriminals around the world keep finding new and unbelievably clever ways to steal our identities. We don't figure it out till later. Good thing there's LifeLock. My identity was stolen. It was awful. I had LifeLock a long time ago, again, before they were even a sponsor. LifeLock detects a wide range of identity threats, like your social security number for sale on the dark web. If they detect your information has been compromised, they'll send you an alert. I get them via text. When we were getting a mortgage, I got the text right away. Someone checked your credit. If you become a victim of identity theft while a member, LifeLock can help you restore your identity easier than what you can do on your own. Get this critical protection today. Listen, nobody can prevent all identity theft or monitor every transaction at all businesses. LifeLock can see threats that you might miss on your own, however. Join now and save up to 25% off your first year. It's a big savings. Go to LifeLock.com slash Bongino. That's LifeLock.com slash Bongino and save 25% today. Get the critical protections today. LifeLock.com slash Bongino. Check it out. Okay. This video, I hunted far and wide to get this video. Uh, I saw it, but it was initially recorded by a bunch of Twitter users on their phones recording MSNBC on TV. And I got the original one. I found it this morning. This is classic. (laughs) So, you know, the mask police, Joe, the face mask police, you know, they're out there. They're convinced that somehow face masks are going to save us from the corona. And if they don't, they're they're like uh, they're like the Avengers. They're like mask vigilantes. Um, unless I'm forced to do it, I, I'm not wearing one. I'm sorry. I keep my distance from people. I'm not doing it. I'll, I can't breathe in it. I grew up with bad asthma and I'm just not doing it. I'm very sorry. I'm not going to break anybody's laws. If it's a private business and I have to go in there, I'm, I'll be happy to do it. It's your business, your call, but I'm not wearing it when it's optional. My call, you do what you, you do you. That's okay. But the mask police are getting pretty ridiculous. Here's MSNBC again trying to engage in mask shaming. This is a new thing. And getting completely wrecked by this guy in the background who is just my new hero. Check this out. So are the people there just not worried about it, Cal? Are they not worried about their own personal safety? I haven't met anybody who is. I met some folks actually from Lake Geneva who lived in the area. They were staying a few miles outside of town where I were. And they said they're worried about it. They're worried about that second spike. They're worried about folks coming in from Chicago. But they'll quickly add at the same time, this is a place that relies on that business. I think people here want a little bit more funding when it comes to these programs so that they could stay closed. But again, I think people felt like the Supreme Court made the decision here in Wisconsin that it was time to open up. But you can see here, just around. Nobody's wearing them. Nobody's, uh, the there you go, including the cameraman. Yeah. <laughs> Katie. Exactly. Striking images. Cal Perry. Cal, thank you very much. <laughs> Dude, 
come on. In our archive of great video moments on the Dan Bongino show, I'm easily ranking this one top five. The guy, I love that guy. What is he wearing? A Packers jersey? He's like, you know, the MSNBC mask shamer, of course. These are the virtue signaling buffoons who are, you know, the, remember the Russian collusion hoaxers, these guys, the geniuses we're supposed to be taking our journalistic and fact-checking advice from. He's like, unbelievable. Nobody here's wearing a mask. I mean, look at this guy over here filming us. And then the guy goes, yeah, your camera guy's not wearing a mask. And the idiot's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. The camera guy's not wearing a mask too. Wrecked, 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 wrecked. I love when they get wrecked like that. It's so beautiful. It's glorious to watch. Wrecked. Remember what I told you during my time in the Secret Service dealing with the press corps? I'm not messing with you. These are some of the dumbest people you have ever seen in your entire life. I'm not kidding. I am not joking. There were some very nice ones, some very smart ones. There was an AP photographer who was a really great guy. This guy, Jason, super nice. There was a couple of reporters I met who actually did their jobs. But the overwhelming majority of the White House press corps, the elite of the elite of the press corps, were some of the dumbest human beings you have ever met. I was stunned when they could actually tie their shoelaces. Some of their conversations back and forth, I was like, holy Moses, how did this individual graduate high school? It was really that bad. These are some of the dumbest people on the planet. I am not messing with you. If you saw what I saw, my constant tirades on media stupidity would make a world of sense. We used to laugh at them in the Secret Service. I'm not even kidding. We'd be like, gosh, are these people stupid? <laughs> I want to tell the story. I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold it. I can't. I'm going to hold it for another, because I got a lot to get there. It's going to take up a lot of time, but. <laughs> it's so dumb. They're so stupid. I'm telling you that stories are hilarious. All right, I got to tell quick. We're coming out of an event in Chicago with Obama. I don't know. He's in a pizza place or something like that. And I'm the press guy. (laughs) This is not a joke. And the press pool is on the other side of the presidential limo trying to get a shot or get a quote as he's coming out of the pizza joint. So you have to wrangle the press as the press agent. And I'm telling him, hey, you know, you got to you got to move. You got to clear a path. So I'm like, I'm like, I'm yelling. I'm like, everyone, they know to listen to you because you're the press guy. They've seen you the whole day. I'm like, move to your left. (laughs) Only half of went to the left. The other ones went to the right. Oh, Everything's backwards on the screen. This is my right hand. This is my left hand. It gets all messed up. I get it. It happens. Sometimes when I got to coordinate where to move my head, but that's because of the the, uh, teleprompter, how everything's always reversed. (laughs) Folks, I'm not even kidding. I was like, everybody move to the left. So everybody went, (laughs) and half of them went the other way. I was like, right. The hand you write with most of you, that, that, that. Some of the dumbest people you have ever met in your life. Believe me, that's just one example. Oh, if I want, I could go on for days of my experiences with the media. Epic level, class one level morons. I mean, serious, like Avenger level power moron, mor- moronicity, if that's even a word. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll never forget that. Everybody go left. No, no, your other left. And then the other half were like going the other. No, no, all of you to the actual left. Huh? Huh? <laughs> what do you mean? Left? I thought that was left. But my buddy said this way's left. <laughs> left. This way. I needed like a big sign this way. <laughs> I can't even recover the show. I will never forget that. Okay, moving on. This is a serious show. We have serious stuff to cover. Ladies and gentlemen, it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. I have this story in the show notes today. Again, Bongino.com slash newsletter. Sign up for my show notes. Great Fox News story about people waking up. I told you this was going to happen. I warned you a long time ago. New Jersey businesses petitioned Governor Murphy to let them reopen. Hey, the politicians are still getting paid. Foxnews.com. Visit Julie Musto. Check that out in my show notes today. From the piece, ladies and gentlemen, I told you it was only a matter of time before people 
started to organize and figure out that there's very few of them in government and a whole lot of us. Consent to the governed has been revoked. These business people added that politicians across the country continue to be paid while businesses are taking a big hit and having to rely on federal assistance. They say, hey, this has caused a class struggle. The only people that are really hurting here are the working class and family businesses, said this guy Falco, adding that a jewelry store is very low risk for spreading infections as long as precautions are taken. What's happening here? I saw this on Fox News this morning. I was watching Fox and Friends. This New Jersey businessman owns a jewelry store. They're getting together with a coalition of something like 90 businesses, and they're starting to tell the governor, hey, daddy-o, tyrannical Governor Phil Murphy, one of the top three worst governors in the country after Cuomo and Newsom, Hor- a total horror show. I don't care who tells you he's a good guy. He's a loser. They're telling him, hey, we're opening up. You can't come after all of us at once. You can't. I warned you this was, uh, to the government officials listening, did we not talk about this, Joe? I'm, I'm doing you a favor here. Please listen to me as public servants. I am not kidding. You cannot come after everybody at one time. And when businesses figure that out and they start gathering, whether through chambers of commerce or informal coalitions like this one, and they say, here's the date, we're all opening. They don't have enough people to come after us all at once. I'm warning you, faith in government is going to be permanently, irrevocably broken because everybody's going to realize the futility of government in the face of collective action. You know, collectivism, what I thought the left liked. Mm-hmm. Well, that goes two ways, folks. Organization can, can, uh, can, they can organize on behalf of liberty too. Not everything has to be collectivism in the sense of Soviet Union style communism. I warned you. I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm doing you a favor. Back down now, because as you start to bankrupt more and more people and they have nothing left to lose, they will, they will fight back for their own freedom. They're not going to let you bankrupt their family and starve their kids. I warned you, I'm, I'm trying to do you a favor. Please listen. This is not, the best day you had was yesterday. It's not going to get any better. Businesses will eventually figure this out and are going to say, we're all opening and there's nothing they can do about it. And then you're finished. Your credibility is effectively shot. We're going to pull all your licenses. Really? Every license in the entire county? (laughs) Good luck with that. (laughs) Good luck with that one. There'll be no businesses anymore in New Jersey. We're pulling all your licenses. (laughs) Yeah, real effective business strategy. All right. Let me get to my last sponsor here, but I got another story about Rick Grinnell, who was just, I, I love Rick Grinnell. This guy's just fantastic. He was the outgoing acting director of national intelligence, the great John Ratcliffe, who will be wonderful to us since taking his place, but out the door, he, <laughs> he has just taken it to him. All right. Today's show also brought to you by friends at Omaha Steaks. Hey, Father's Day's coming up, so give dad the gift he really wants this year. Perfectly aged, delicious, tender steaks from Omaha Steaks. They deliver the world's best steaks and a huge variety of other delicious favorites to your dad's door. Right now, Omaha Steaks is offering our listeners access to a variety of amazing packages that are perfect to send to your father for Father's Day. Go to omahasteaks.com, enter the code Bongino into the search bar. You'll see all the great options available. Many include free shipping and a free one-pound package of their perfectly cured, incredibly thick applewood smoked steak cut bacon. Nice! There are many packages available that are perfect for your father. And they're all ready to be shipped straight to his door in time for Father's Day. Omaha Steaks is a variety of Father's Day packages that include world-famous Omaha Steaks, naturally aged at least 21 days for tenderness and hand-carved to perfection. I cut mine with a butter knife. Burgers, Frank sausages, and other favorites, perfect for grilling. They have premium poultry and pork cut by their Omaha butchers and individually sealed for freshness and delicious flavor, tasty and easy to make side dishes, no work, one-step family meals, terrific, wonderful desserts artisan desserts and much more right now father's day packages are ready to order and ready to ship to dad and many include free shipping and a free pound of their steak cut bacon i'm hungry omaha steaks delivers guaranteed quality and safety with every order so send dad a gift of food he'll love this year visit omahasteaks.com today and type in bongino b-o-n-g-i-n-o in the search bar shop for father's day today go get dad these steaks he'll love them cut them with a butter knife delicious put a little dobo on top nice all right 
Yeah, Rick Grinnell's been doing a great job. And so has Catherine Harridge, by the way. She was formerly of Fox News. She's a reporter, an actual reporter at CBS who's been all over the Spygate thing. But she's a journalist. She's not a politician. If you ever watched her interview, she doesn't make part political snipes. That's fine. I'm an opinion guy. Um, I'm a little more opinionated than most people, by the way. But Catherine Harridge's been doing a great job. And Rick Grinnell, who was, again, the outgoing DNI, was sent a letter by Democrat hack politician and spygate colluder Mark Warner, the atrocious senator from Virginia, just a horrible human being. And he was asked about, hey, uh, Rick, why did you declassify the names of the people who, who unmasked uh, Mike Flynn's name? Because, you know, why would Mark Warner, hack Democrat senator from Virginia, be concerned about that? Well, because it was politically embarrassing that a bunch of Obama po politicians and bureaucrats had spied on the incoming national security advisor. Kind of embarrassing, no? Yeah. So he sends a letter to Grinnell demanding an explanation. Grinnell, who's just these days is just like right, left hook, you know, one, two, three, four, three, four, four, three, uppercut. He's just like early age Mike Tyson, just lighting people up. Grinnell sends a counter letter. This is from Catherine Herridge's Twitter, where she highlights a couple of things and basically tells Warner he can take his letter and ram it up his caboose. It doesn't really say that, but he cites this executive order 13526 about classifying national security information. And he says, hey, uh, Senator Warner, you know, there's no reason for us not to give the public this information. You know, here are the reasons we can declassify this. It says, this executive order, in no case shall information be classified or continue to be maintained as classified or fail to be declassified in order to conceal violations of the law or, number two, this is section 17, subsection two, to prevent embarrassment to a person, organization, or agency. Did you get it? Did you get you may not have get it. So you may not have you may not have gotten what I said you get. So I'm gonna put down and pick up the same thing for you. He's basically saying to him, hey, Senator War, we know you're deeply involved, neck deep, maybe eyeball deep in the spy gay thing. And we are not gonna uh, stop declassifying material just to save you from embarrassment because you're a hack. He didn't write that in there, but believe me, that was the subtext. Big <laughs> wink and a nod. What do you mean, Dan? <laughs> what does Democrat hack from Virginia Mark Warner have to do with anything in this case? Let me show you this tweet by Paul Sperry. I'll connect it. Don't worry. Just get Paul Sperry has done some good work. The guy we cited earlier in the New York Post article. Sperry says breaking records show that the dossier peddler, Dan Jones, who used to work for Feinstein, is raking in a half a million a year in salary from George Soros funded anti-Trump nonprofits. $215,000 a year from uh, TDIP and another $242,000 from ADI. He's being paid this to keep the collusion myth alive. And John Podesta, Hillary lieutenant, by the way, helped him raise the money. Dan, I, I, I don't understand. I thought you were talking about, what are you talking about Dan Jones? I thought you were talking about Mark Warner and how Rick Rennell just stuck it to Democrat hack Senator Mark Warner. What does this have to do with anything? Well, now we know that this guy, Dan Jones, senator who used to work for another Democrat hack senator, Diane Feinstein, is being paid by George Soros-funded groups to keep the collusion hoax alive. What does that have to do with Mark Warner? Ah, I always produce the receipts, folks. Paula hates that. Here's the evidence for Paula, for the Paula safety. Paula's going to cut that out. I know. She's going to cut that out. She has editorial control. Here's an article by The Federalist, again, in the show notes today for you to read and to keep handy, but definitely worth your time, by Sean Davis back in February of 2018. Is a former Feinstein staffer running Fusion GPS's post-election steel dossier operation? I don't get it. Let's go to the piece. What does this have to do with this Democrat hack? Grinnell just stuck his foot right up his caboose. What does that have to do with anything? Let's go to the inside of the piece. Congressional documents and recently leaked texts between Senator Mark Warner. Oh, there he is. And a registered foreign agent for a Russian aluminum oligarch indicate that Dan Jones, yeah, a Soros group paid guy, is intimately involved with ongoing efforts to retroactively validate a series of salacious and unverified memos produced by Christopher Steele. There you go, folks. That's why I wrote my next book entitled it Follow the Money. So Jones, Dan Jones, used to work for a Democrat senator paid by a Soros funded group to keep the collusion hoax alive. Apparently, according to Sperry, working with John Podesta, Hillary Lieutenant, we now find out that Dan Jones, what we knew for a while, was texting Democrat hack Senator Mark Warner about getting in touch with Steele. So Mark Warner's knee deep in this whole scheme. 
Warner now is panicking because Rick Grinnell is declassifying this stuff, exposing Warner. Warner demands an explanation and Grinnell sends it right back to him, boot ass, and says, by the way, we're not going to prevent declassification to prevent embarrassment as per this executive order. In other words, embarrassment to you, Democrat hack Mark Warner. Nice work, Rick Grinnell. Everything's a two-pager now because the show has just been loaded the last week. All right, important story. I'm going to get to this. I'm going to tease tomorrow's show a little bit over today, but this is a super important story. By the way, I did not forget the Minneapolis story. Did not. I'm simply applying the Bongino rule, but extremely, extremely disturbing. I'm going to get to that tomorrow. Extremely disturbing. You know what I'm talking about for those of you who've seen it. But I got to get to this today. It's important. And I am up against the hard deadline for the show. The Guardian. Finally, someone doing journalism. Andrew Cuomo, you know, the golden calf messiah of the left. He's done such a good job in New York, despite New York leading the nation in infections and deaths from coronavirus. You have that New York. Nursing home Andrew Cuomo, who put coronavirus patients in nursing homes amongst the most vulnerable population. This guy, the left loves him. Finally, someone's doing journalism. The Guardian. Andrew Cuomo gave immunity to nursing home executives after big campaign donations. Whoa. What? So so just to be clear here, I'm going to get to the screenshot from the piece in a moment. Andrew Cuomo, who the left-wing media is still lauding for his unbelievable work during the Wuhan virus outbreak up in New York. Oh, it was unbelievable, but for all the wrong reasons who pushed coronavirus patients into nursing homes, which literally got people killed as elderly people then contracted the coronavirus from people who were infected and then subsequently died. This is your your hero? Are you insane? Now we find out from the Guardian piece that Andrew Cuomo, less than two years after the flood of cash from the Greater New York Hospital Association, Cuomo signed legislation quietly shielding hospitals and nursing home executives from the threat of lawsuits stemming from the coronavirus outbreak. The provision inserted into an annual budget by Cuomo's aides created one of the nation's most explicit immunity protections for healthcare industry officials, according to legal experts. You have got to be kidding me. So the Democrats who don't want legal, but the national Democrats, Pelosi, and her crew, Schumer, they are fighting against legal protections for you, business owners out there who do the right thing, but could potentially be sued if coronavirus happens in your store, even though you've taken all measures. They don't want you to have legal protections. But Cuomo, who was a big recipient of campaign donations, apparently, from this lobby group for nursing homes, has shielded nursing homes completely from liability protections after sticking people infected with the coronavirus in said nursing homes and costing thousands of people their lives? Sounds to me like human tragedy on an epic scale. And finally, you have journalism outlets, albeit not in this country, The Guardian, actually starting to open their eyes about their golden calf messiah, Andrew Cuomo. People died. Lots of people died. People's families. People's grandparents, their parents, dead. It's time to start asking real questions. I'm not going anywhere on that story, by the way. That story, I am going to stay on that. I am not letting this guy get away with this. No freaking way. No way. All right. I, I wanted to get to this today. I got a great tip by the, the, the uh, famous 279er. Just terrific. What a great source. I'm gonna, this is going to be tomorrow's show. Tomorrow's show will cover Minneapolis. I hope to get to that New York Post story too. Let me take a note on that. That's important about the media. I said, I teased it yesterday. But this story is going to absolutely bake your bagels, I promise you. Remember that Susan Rice email she sent to herself right after President Trump took office saying, hey, Barack Obama told us to do everything by the book in the investigation basically of Trump and Flynn. Remember that? You all, yeah, I've spoken yeah. about it quite a bit. Yeah. Susan Rice sends herself a CYA email. So 279 asked an interesting question to me this morning, and he sent me some screenshots, some evidence here. 
Was Susan Rice protecting Obama? Or was Obama protecting Susan Rice and all the people who unmasked Mike Flynn's name? Whoa. Whoa. What do you mean, Dan? Well, let me just tease this a bit. Put up that executive order if you don't mind, Paula. Here's an Obama executive order. I want you to pay special attention to the date on this. This executive order is fascinating. Obama administration releases long-awaited new executive order 12333, rules on sharing of raw signals intelligence within the IC. Thursday, January 12, 2017? Huh. You may say, what's that all about? Well, again, I'll tease it for tomorrow. Was Barack Obama in one of his last official acts before he leaves office? Going back and retroactively rewriting the rules on intelligence sharing to protect all the people who had illicitly unmasked and spied on Trump team people to make it seem like, oh, no, look, we have these new rules now. We can share. Was Barack Obama actually protecting the unmaskers rather than Susan Rice protecting him? Ooh, this is going to get fascinating. Do not miss tomorrow's show. It's going to be loaded. All right, folks, thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Again, please sign up for Parler, P-A-R-L-E-R, today. Go to the App Store. It's everything Twitter and Facebook isn't, meaning free speech. You're, you're, it's, it's a wonderful site, super easy to use. They are a sponsor of the show. Check them out. Please sign up for YouTube as well. My YouTube, youtube.com slash Bongino. We put a lot of work into the video for you. Thanks a lot. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.